Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Critical Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Good, and I am running this show solo this week. That's right. Once in a while, I do a solo show, answer a bunch of questions from the Legionnaires, and I'm going to talk about a few things maybe at length, just unabridged, uh, not uninterrupted, all those types of things. And this week, I will be talking about Jupiter's Legacy. It came out on Netflix just a few days ago as the time of this recording, but by the time you hear it, it's been out for a little bit. So like we do with most everything here, I'm going to talk about it uh, with uh, non-spoilers to start with, and then we'll jump into the spoilers later on down the line. But don't worry, I'll flip the old spoiler switch over here. So what is Jupiter's Legacy? Uh, a lot of people, I think, might uh, compare this kind of as a one-to-one to Amazon Prime's The Boys, uh, which, if you're unfamiliar with that, basically both these shows are about superheroes in the modern age, but maybe a little more uh, adult. Uh, <laughs> it's it's sexier, it's more violent, all that type of things. But I don't want to sit here and just say, like, this is what The Boys did and this is what Jupiter's Legacy did, because they are very different shows it's just the framing is relatively similar in some respects but that is just me throwing praise at both because i kind of enjoy the framing both i love as you can tell probably if you're watching this i love superheroes if you can't watch if you're not watching this there's like a big marvel thing over here there's a big poster and stuff anyway um that may or may not be falling apart but don't don't worry about that uh (laughs) but yes uh so jupiter's legacy it stars josh jamel who you guys might know from transformers and also the tv show las vegas which by the way i watched a lot of back in college great show great great show um after i think it originally aired i don't know if this is going to date this whole thing but it doesn't matter anyway uh so uh, basically, the show uh, from uh, the trailers, if you've not seen it, uh, and uh, this is where I'm going to try to like not spoil things, even though I think the trailers do show quite a bit. This show takes place mainly in the modern age, but we do get some flashbacks, which we'll get into later on. But Josh Jumel plays a character known as the Utopian. And he, along with um, some other friends of his, are superheroes. They basically have um, a lot of similar powers that you're starting to see with like Superman-esque type characters. They're all pretty fast, pretty strong, can fly, that sort of thing. He has the kind of classic, uh, like, laser vision and stuff, uh, which I don't know if that's really going to, like, ruin it for people. Like, it's not a big surprise or anything, but uh, there are other people on his team who don't necessarily have those powers, but have different types of powers that might complement him. And basically, for many, many decades, they have been protecting the world. Uh, They are very, very good at it, and they've kind of, like... They can, like, hear things at great, great distances. They're kind of preventing all these catastrophes all the time as if it were just you or me going to pick up groceries or, you know, grab the mail or something like that. That's kind of how they treat these things. Uh, But there's this kind of a bifurcation between the present day and the past, which I think is really interesting and I think is a selling point to this show uh, that you don't get as much of in some of these other kind of more modern superhero shows. I will say this, though, the there are some flashbacks and it did remind me a lot of Arrow uh, for anybody who's watched that show for a long time. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, So there is some we'll get into that later on, too. But uh, it's really good. I like the show a lot. There is only eight episodes of it, and Netflix does it where they kind of give you everything all at once. They don't do it week to week, or kind of how Amazon does it where they'll kind of give you like two episodes, maybe three, and then they'll do week to week after that. But uh, it's easy to just get through pretty quickly in a weekend. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm just kind of, kind of cutting through it. Uh, and I found it to be really breezy, really light, and it does pose a few interesting questions about superheroes. One in particular that seems to be popping up more and more now, but I love that it got kind of not fully tackled in this show, but something they're getting at. Whole cast is great. They play off each other really well. Uh, there is this really interesting kind of dynamic between all of them, and especially if they've been working together for decades, you know, that there's a lot of history there, which is kind of fun to unpack and to learn more about. It's also shot in a way that feels very superhero-ish. I don't know if these are technically Dutch tilts or angles, but there's a lot of that kind of thing where it almost feels like if you froze a frame of this, it would be from a comic book. They don't do it all the time, uh, but it's something that I really do appreciate a ton. Uh, But yeah, the fight scenes are pretty kind of um, over-the-top spectacles. They're not like all the time with these types of shows i think a lot of people come in thinking that there's going to be 
like a lot of different fight scenes, but uh, there aren't. But that's okay because the effects in them look really, really good. There's some characters who have kind of um, energy-focused abilities and things that are really fun to watch. And you could tell that they probably aren't going to do a five-minute fight scene you know, with these characters, because it's like, wow, that would be a lot of effects <laughs> for a show like this. But it all looks really cool. And kind of watching how the characters not only work with each other, but how they interact with other villains and what the world maybe is kind of like and how it's changing compared to when these, uh, these you know, superheroes started up their own, basically um, their own uh, Justice League, which they call the Union. Um, I think it's longer than that, but they just keep calling it the Union very, very Justice League, like they have their own hall, you know, of heroes and stuff and the table and everything. Uh, but how that's going to have to change over time and how their code, uh, which is all about protecting people, not ruling people, and we never kill people. That's kind of uh, the the base foundation of that and how uh, that might need to change over time. I would recommend this show if you have Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, uh, or like with if, if you like superheroes too, right? Uh, but it is not as crass um, or uh, kind of uh, it doesn't overly indulge in its mature rating like The Boys a little bit more so. And that's not a knock against The Boys. It's just that they're very different shows. And I I thought that they were going to do that more. There is some of that stuff in this for sure, but. Um, as far as like the the gore is concerned and um, kind of the sexy aspects of it all, it's not as turned up as it is in the boys. Like the boys is like maybe like they broke the knob off sometimes. This show is more of like it's probably like an eight or so, seven out of ten as far as like that kind of stuff is concerned. So if you're one of those people that um, you're like kind of on the fence about this and you really liked the boys, then this would be something that you could get into pretty easily. If you were turned off to some of that stuff, um then this might be a little more um, uh, uh, digestible, as it were. So just keep that in mind, too. But this is not a show for kids. Uh, <laughs> just It's not It's not like they're swearing all the time or killing everybody and everything, but there's it's definitely not that type of show. So just, just keep that in mind. I think people are starting to catch on to this, that not everything with a superhero in it is for, like, a full audience, even though there have been times when I've been <laughs> at certain, like, superhero movies, I'm like, oh, you brought your kid to Venom. Like, <laughs> okay, like, sure, that's fine. Anyway, um you're you're the parent i'm not anyway uh so yeah that's kind of my thoughts on it and like i said i do recommend it if you have netflix and you like superhero stuff there's a lot of quality great cast and an interesting story that is unfolding and while it does do a pretty good job of giving you um a nice serving here in season one it just makes you hungry for season two and i do respect the fact that it was only eight episodes in the past with a lot of those marvel uh, shows they had them as 13 and that's kind of a lot um and uh that can that can be kind of hard to to take up in a whole um you know in a whole weekend and not that you need to take it all up in like a weekend or a couple of days but uh yeah parse it out just yeah try to show restraint it's really hard because the next episode just starts going along and you're like okay i'll just watch anyway uh but i'm gonna flip the old spoiler switch here so uh if you are you know if you're not ready for it I mean, you better turn away quick. We also have timestamps down below, so if you want to jump to the questions section, you can do that right now. All right, here we go. Okay. Spoilers. Spoilers. I don't know if this is considered a spoiler, but I want to talk about it. I want to talk about aspect ratios. (laughs) What? What? What are you talking about? Okay, so one thing I love, love, loved about this show uh, is that the aspect ratio would shift from time to time. If it was in the modern day, it was presented as a widescreen format. That means the black bars would come down um, and come up, and they would kind of zoom into place. Uh, but when it went back to the past to talk about the story of the origin of these heroes, it would go to full screen. And sometimes these would be subtle changes where it would like be in the back in the day in like the 1920s, 30s, and you'd see the black line start to creep in and then boom, we were back in the modern day. And then other times it would be pretty quick where it'd be the modern day and there'd be like a flash of lightning or something. And then it would just switch into the old timey and it would be full screen again. That kind of stuff is really cool because it's a fun way of another additional layer of showing that we have shifted from one time period to the next. It didn't have to say 
we're back in 1920s, 30s Chicago. You know, it didn't have to do that and then be like, we're back in the modern day. It didn't have to do any of that, which I, I really respected. And obviously you can tell, you know, even from just how they like the shot, how they shot it and how the characters look, how they're younger or older, depending, and kind of like the um, almost like sepia filter, kind of like the old timey filter a little bit they would have on the past stuff, which is really cool. And uh, what I was kind of joking at before, when they kind of are working their way to get to this place, this island, all I was thinking was Leanne Yu from uh, Arrow. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be Arrow all over again. But no, it's not going to be like them chilling out on an island for years and then also modern day stuff, you know, for years and that all catching up. Uh, But the story of Josh Jumel's character, the Utopian or Sheldon, um, learning about... um, all this stuff uh, that his his dad had done because he and his brother uh, Walt, I believe, are they work for their dad and they work in like this kind of steel um, industry and this kind of big steel conglomerate. And uh, their dad commits suicide um, because the stock market goes down in like the early 1930s. And it's like, oh my gosh! Like I, I was like, this is such a weird like like it's oh man, it's it's kind of unfortunate because Josh Jamel's character um, Sheldon's like watching it happen. His dad just like walks off the roof. And I like that from then on, uh, something happens to him. He starts to see his dead father, um, like kind of just sneaking around, like saying creepy things to him. Uh, And he starts to go kind of insane, starts to get these visions and eventually has to kind of get all these people to leave their lives and join him um, in this quest, which he doesn't know where it's going to take him, but he just knows that he needs to go there. And watching that quest play out was really interesting because you know that they're successful, but not all the members are in the present day. And there's stuff that you're like, oh, I want to know more about this. Or like, I want to know what's happening. Why does this person have a scar? Why does this person look the way they do? Where is this person? Uh, that kind of stuff I really enjoyed. And I do have to say a shout out to, uh, to Matt Lanter, Matt, uh, who ends up playing Sky Fox um, or George in the past. He's not in a lot of the present day stuff. Really cool to see him. He was great. I really liked his character. I want to know more about this guy because uh, he was interesting in the past. But I'm like, OK, I want to know in the future, like what happened? Because there is a bit of a split um, with these characters and I want like I'm really curious to see why Sky Fox isn't part of the union anymore and he's become like their greatest adversary which I think is really interesting too another aspect that I thought was kind of fascinating is that uh, the union um, you know has these members but we have the, the Utopian and Lady Liberty uh, who are kind of the two one of the well they're some of the main founding members but they have some children and kind of telling their kids like yeah like whatever you do it's going to affect this family like you got to know that we are all like superheroes but we're celebrities and you know we got to keep that in mind and while his son uh or their son kind of is like trying to eventually get to that point uh the daughter she's just kind of like nope i'm just going to be like on the front of fashion magazines and i'm going to do whatever i want and um you can kind of see how the pressure has changed both of them which I think is kind of an interesting allegory for kind of like child rearing and like, you know, how we affect those, um, like the children, like if you have children, like how you're um, kind of, if you really pressure them, what that can do to them, what that can change them into. I was like, okay, that's, that's an interesting concept uh, to kind of keep it in the family, kind of um, not, you know, fantastic four exactly, but still a family drama within superheroes, which is uh, interesting to kind of see play out a little bit, maybe a little more Incredibles if in the future it got really sad for Dash or something Uh, (laughs) or Violet. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. But the one thing that we get um, with Paragon, uh, the Utopian son, is that at one segment um, early on in the show, there's this guy named Blackstar, I believe, who is going to basically kill his parents. There's this huge fight, a bunch of superheroes trying to take him down, and he has to make a choice. Uh, and there was a bunch of other things he probably could have done, but he just jumps up and he just punches him so hard in the face, it just crashes his skull in and kills him. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, and his parents are like, oh my gosh, you broke the code. You know, this, all, this is, we're supposed to be together. Like, you know, we're not, we don't kill people. And uh, kind of him railing against it saying like, well, times are kind of changing, even though I think throughout the show, he starts to kind of, you know, step back on that. But he was like, I had to make a choice. It was either him or you guys. And I was like, oh, that's such a great thing. Because that's the, the one of the biggest questions of the show is uh, 
are should should superheroes just continuously follow these old ideals right you know moving forward in this world where the 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 villains they're basically saying like well you might beat the heck out of me time and time again but i don't have to play by your rules i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm just gonna keep killing people and killing other superheroes and stuff and i was like oh man i liked that's an interesting conversation uh, that superhero films, I think, are starting to broach a little bit more and more now. Uh, but with the ones who are definitely like, I never kill under any circumstances. It kind of made, makes me think of Batman a little bit. Uh, just kind of being like, I never kill, I never kill, I never kill. But in the past, he did like a lot. So, I don't know. That's just kind of a fun thing that kind of permeates throughout the show and trying to like, you know, the son trying to see where the dad's coming from. And then, you know, the dad and then the mom kind of fighting about that. And he's the dad's kind of like, I don't like maybe you're right. Maybe or maybe things do need to change. I need to listen. I need to stop being so stringent on what is good. You know, what is um, something I need to focus on? And there's one um, moment that I really liked uh, where um, we get the utopian. Sheldon's kind of sitting and talking with a therapist for an entire episode. And then at the very, you kind of get like some feeling throughout that there's something wrong. But at the very end, you find out that the person that he's talking to is actually like one of his arch villains. This guy spent 20 years trying to kill him. And he's like, they're just talking kind of like almost old friends a little bit. It's almost like a, now that I think about it a little bit, uh, Ian McKellen, you know, Patrick Stewart, Magneto, Charles Xavier thing. Uh, and Utopian's kind of like, yep, well, you're one of the only people who seems to understand me. Uh, and he kind of leaves, and you find out that he's, like, in a supermax prison, and that person's cell is just kind of set up to look like a doctor's office. So really kind of cool idea of, like, if I zoomed really close in on this um, setting, you would think one thing, you know, because I'm not going to tell you otherwise until the very end. And I was like, I freaking love that kind of stuff. I'm like, there we go. That's something – that is a um, – a subversion of expectation for me that I didn't think about and was just kind of like interesting and fun because you're like for a while you're like this therapist is talking to him in such a weird way sometimes that you're like I don't know if I like I don't know this seems really weird you know <laughs> and then after a while you're like oh oh okay uh which I just I love that kind of stuff stuff that doesn't need to happen but that does like that I think it just adds so much more to the world uh, and that that's just so interesting to me. And the the Supermax facility, which uh, you do go to a few different times, it looks really cool. Uh, a few interesting sets here in this one, especially jumping back and forth between the the past and the present. Uh, really good job on that stuff. You can tell there's budget here. There's a lot of budget in this show. You're like, okay, like I'm watching I'm watching something. You know, that's that's really had some time and money put into it. And from what I've seen here, uh, it's the Mark Miller from from like Kickass and Kingsman and stuff. So keep that in mind kind of from that that mind there and i was like okay i can definitely see a little bit of that permeating here for sure which i i do appreciate uh, I, like i said before the cast is great i i really actually started to like walt the most he's like superman not as strong like as the utopian but has like kind of charles xavier telepathy in there as well and you do kind of find out, again, now that we're in spoiler territory, that he is the one who orchestrated the whole um, Black Star breakout in the first place. Because he actually made a clone of this guy, because you find it later, and Black Star is still in Supermax prison. But he made a clone of this guy and is framing George or Skyfox for it. And uh, you start to realize, you're like, oh, he is like this kind of super villain. And I liked, it was like, at the end of the show, I'm like, of course, the guy I like the most ends up being the villain. But this interesting character who has a daughter, uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> she kind of got in his way. And I, I'm just like, oh, he's just he was an interesting character in the past, back in the 20s and 30s. But then now I'm just like, oh, he's kind of he I think he's got this idea of like the past um, needs to kind of fall away. We need to change things up. And I think that we need to lead people, not just be the ones uh, who are just still protecting them. I could be reading that wrong. I'm not sure exactly which way he's planning on going with it because it kind of, it's revealed very late in the game that he is the villain. So I'm not sure what his motivations specifically are. But I think obviously one of them is to frame George because he and George have kind of like a weird rivalry in the past. Uh, They kind of both, like Walt is actually Sheldon's brother, but George and Sheldon got along really well. So there's this kind of friction there. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what has permeated and has been persisting um, throughout all these decades. It's like, okay, yeah. But yeah, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do because it's like he almost killed his brother and his, you know, sister-in-law basically 
uh, with this kind of clone situation and framing George for it, uh, who Sky Fox is this kind of like, again, they're all kind of super people, but he also is like really good at making technology and stuff. Uh, so I, I'm not exactly sure, you know, he's kind of like puts like a piece of tech in, um, <laughs> in this, in this black star. So they pull it out and they're like, Oh, this must be Sky Fox must've done this. And it's like, of course he did. Um, but yeah, maybe obviously just to frame him, I think. Uh, but yeah, I just, I like that. There's this kind of like, all right, everybody is Superman, but some of like, some of them are good with technology. Someone's one of them got telepathy, you know, stuff like that. I think is really interesting. Uh, one of the other guys on the team is like he's wheelchair bound now, uh, but he's got like like electricity or kind of light energy as his power. And like we don't, I don't know if they showed how he lost his ability to walk, but like that is a, that's a a thing I want answered in the second season. You know, like stuff like that. It's like okay, they've known each other for such a long time, and he actually used to work for Sheldon and Walt's family back in the day. So it's like. These guys have known each other for almost a hundred years. Like that is like there's so much you can you can build with, as opposed to as I kind of keep comparing it back to Arrow. It's not just going to be on the island. The island was just to get there to get the powers. We don't know why, um, but they've they overcame trials and the ordeal that many other um, groups of six never could. They would just always kill each other. They would not make it to that final stage and getting it from aliens or something like that. But then they just show up um, back in the worlds and back to the ship that they, you know, um, sailed out on uh, with the, the costumes they have today. So those aliens must have known something or those special beings were like, you're going to wear a helmet and everybody else isn't. And yeah. <laughs> You're gonna. We're all having capes. Everybody's got capes except for maybe one of you. It's like, oh, okay, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, I just want to know like how that group fell apart. That stuff is super interesting to me, and I'm I'm really excited to see season two of this thing. I thought it was really good. I haven't covered everything in super detail. Um, Utopian's daughter kind of falls for <laughs> the son of Sky Fox, George, um, and his son is actually pretty cool. He's got a piece of tech that allows him to teleport. Basically, anywhere uh, he can teleport people, places, if they're holding it, he can teleport the thing into, like, somebody's heart and kill them, uh, supposedly. Like, stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's cool, but he has no powers himself. So there's, like, all this stuff, like, you, I want to know about his relationship with George. And, like, Sky Fox is kind of the big question. And while we do kind of get a little setup scene um, where we think that Sky Fox is still, like, the main bad guy, you know, um at the end uh inside the mind of the dead black star um and lady lady liberty jumps in there to help out um uh, i think his name is brainwave or walt sheldon's brother um like it's kind of funny because like they set that up to make it look like it's sky fox but i i wonder if they were just playing that for the audience to be like brainwave like kind of shows up and he's like it was you the whole time but really no one else would see that except for him so I don't know. I'm not exactly sure about all the mechanics and the workings of this type of thing, but it's really, it's cool. But George, man, just George and Walt, I don't know. Uh, might be screwing up the names on that. I'm pretty sure I got them right, but I, I hope we'll see. But yeah, really cool cast. I really like this show. Uh, it is, you know, kind of, it hurts a little because you like find these new things that you love and you just like want more of it. But then you're like, you got to wait a little bit. You just got to wait, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where they go next with this. And uh, it seems like every streaming service is kind of getting their live action superhero thing locked down. And uh, yeah, I'm totally sticking around for this one. This is great. And also, I just really like Josh Jamel. I like pretty much everybody on the cast, but him specifically, I'm just I just really like him. He does a great job of being like the golden boy back in the 20s and then kind of losing his mind and then also being this kind of like really just uh, like this tired like superhero who's just trying to keep it all together and is kind of maybe fading in strength a little bit. It's just a good show. I like it. I enjoy it. I recommend it. Please check it out and let me know what you think about it too because while this is critical reviews, I would still love to hear for what you guys think about this too uh, because that's kind of the fun, the dialogue, the back and forth. And if you've not checked it out yet, hopefully... Uh, <laughs> you skipped that portion and you still want to check it out. Or maybe you heard it and you're like, whoa, he was saying a lot of names really quickly. So I don't even remember what he's talking about. But yeah, tackling that idea of should superheroes kill or and or should superheroes lead. So interesting. Fascinating stuff. Marvel, please make Hyperion <laughs> and the Squadron Supreme a thing, please. Because that's basically what the Squadron Supreme is. Evil Justice League, takeover stuff. It's great. Uh, anyway. 
but that will do it for the Jupiter's Legacy talk, which I'm just amazed that I can talk about that for like 25 minutes straight. <laughs> uh, but the thing I'm going to move into next is the segment of the show that I like to call, that you guys like to call, that we all like to call, Time Killers. That's right, it's time for Time Killers. The games I've been playing, the movies and TV shows I've been watching. Talked about a show there. Uh, besides that, I've still been watching Emperor's New School. There's like 50 or 52 episodes of that. It's pretty funny. I enjoy watching. It's kind of like my thing I watch before I go to sleep. It's I recommend just trying to find a show that's just fun to watch before you go to sleep as opposed to something that's like really stressful. Um, but yes, I've been watching that. As far as games go, I played a little more Outriders recently. I'm still kind of like, should I put out a review for this? If you're listening to this and you want to see a review for that, just tweet me and let me know. Uh, but there's still been some kind of technical difficulties with it, and it's just kind of like, ugh, um, and I don't know if anybody would care to hear about that right now, but I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Snap, and hopefully by the time you guys hear this, see this, all that stuff, there will be an incredibly lengthy review out on it. I'm trying to make the longest new Pokemon Snap review out there really, really detailed, really, really specific, talking about the game itself along with comparisons back to the original because for me personally, I can't divorce myself from it. And I was like, why Why wouldn't I just lean into that? Because if you guys are here and you're listening to my voice right now, you're not here for the timely information. <laughs> you're here for opinions, Um and maybe just a little bit of lighthearted discussion. That's the hope, right? Uh, that's kind of pretty much everything uh, that I've been checking out recently. Yeah. Uh, so that's, man, that's probably the fastest time killers I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, one of them, you know, these solo shows, I can just kind of go through them pretty quick. Anyway, now it's time to move into my personal favorite segment of the show, which is community feedback and questions. Yes, and this week I wanted a bunch from you guys because I was like, I'm going to be alone. And if these types of um, shows crop up, I was, I'm just, I'd love to do just uh, questions like episode i don't know if people would just be like not interested in that but i always love having my questions answered by somebody like this so hopefully you guys do too anyway this one comes in on the discord this one comes in from zora cavia zora my friend thank you he says uh <laughs> i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the mass effect legendary edition if you played the games before any interest in the remasters etc since they're coming out soon I actually looked into this uh, as per your question. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that question. Uh, I looked at, there was like the 11-minute IGN kind of comparison video between um, 1, 2, and 3 uh, with the footage they got. Um, and by the time this is out, those games will be out too. I got to be honest with you. I got I got through Mass Effect 1. I got through Mass Effect 2. And I started 3. <laughs> So, like, I never finished it, and I heard about the ending and the color and all that, like, the different colors, whatever. Anyway, those games are great. I really, really enjoy them. I don't know if I'd go back. I think if you've never played uh, any of those games before, this is a really great time to get into it. The developers, it sounded like we're talking about that, like, with Mass Effect 1, that's the one that needed the most work, because a lot of this was... Um, a graphical um, kind of uh, <laughs> graphical update along with some bug fixes but they couldn't fix all the bugs and they were worried especially when with 2 and 3 that the game was so good the way it was that they didn't want to like take things out or change things to kind of ruin the experience that people want to go back and experience or people for the first time uh, if you have played through these games, it's probably been a while, <laughs> you know, unless you were like really playing a lot of Andromeda, not that that's included with this, but if you're like, you're, you're kind of craving some more Mass Effect, I think out of all Bioware stuff, for me, this is probably my favorite, but again, I'm not sure if I would go back to do one, two, and three. It is cool that they're all together because for people who don't know back in the day, the whole, one of the big kind of hooks for it was that not only was it a big science fiction RPG, but your save and information would carry over to the next game. Uh, kind of like Witcher 3, like you could kind of tell the game, like, oh, I did this and this and this, uh, and that would change the game going forward, which I thought was so cool. Uh, but with, I think I had one and two that way, and then two, I couldn't get the information over for three, and then I was like, oh, I don't really want to play three if it's not with my save stuff, so I had to kind of guess at answers and things. But interested? Sure. I don't know if I'd pick it up just because it's it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot you can do in those games. But if you are on the fence or if you're looking for some classic, really strong Bioware stuff, um, some really fun 
interesting um, stories and characters. This, for me, was some of the best stuff. And I haven't played all of the Bioware stuff, but I really, I really enjoyed it. So check out Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm hoping, well, I shouldn't say check it out. Uh, hopefully there are reviews out there now and people have said like if it is worth the price, if it is actually really nice um, as a package deal. So just keep keep looking around. Just make sure um, because I just I, it's hard for me to recommend anything at day one anymore <laughs> because it all seems to be problematic, um, especially the big AAA things. I'm just like, ah, no. Like, so... Yes, uh, that I hope that answers your question. But uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody else out there is a big Mass Effect fan, but Mass Effect is a pretty cool franchise. Pretty cool franchise. I never played Andromeda, though, so keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Andromeda. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know if that game is still having issues or not, but um, yeah. All right, next question comes in from, if I can actually get the thing I need here. Burr, 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 burr. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is such a good one. This also comes in from Zora Caviar. Curious what your thoughts are on the fact that E3 and Summer Games Fest are both a thing this year. It seems like one is doomed to be lackluster if all the big announcements are going to be at the other, right? And I imagine all the big announcements will be at the same show because none of the big publishers will want to be upstaged. I looked into this a little bit. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's there like E3 is kind of saying like, you know, Xbox is going to be there and all these other things. Uh, and Summer Games Fest, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to have something like a little bit of a civil war where it's a lot of Xbox is at E3 and then like a lot of Sony is at Summer Games Fest. I don't know. Um, I am a big proponent uh, and a longtime lover from a distance of E3. I have never gone to the show. I've heard that in more recent years, it was better if you stayed home. It didn't cost as much. You learned more. But from if PAX West was any indication of what a gaming convention can be like uh, when I went back in 2017, I think I'd really enjoy E3. I've heard E3 is a little bit more um, business-like and PAX is a little more relaxed, which I love that kind of relaxed feel. It was nice to actually talk you know, with the developers of things. I'm like, ah, you made this game? That's so cool. But I've always wanted to go to E3, and ever since high school for me, it's been one of those things that I would just, I loved it. It it really did feel like Christmas time if you loved video games, if you're a video game enthusiast. But I don't know this year. That's a great, great question. Hmm... Uh, and Jeff knows a lot of people. Uh, and for people who don't know, Summer Games Fest is curated by Jeff Keighley, as they say. Uh, <laughs> um, or that's what the website says. Jeff does know a lot of people. I don't know. Uh, I could see Microsoft being the type to do both, you know, just to kind of be like, Microsoft is really trying to be everybody's buddy right now, which would be great. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean though, Zora, about like kind of saying like, well, if one's going to be like, I'm, I'm going to go to the one show that's worth it for me. I don't know exactly how E3 is structured this year, uh, with the online capability and stuff. Summer Games Fest, this is its second year in a row and it's always been digital, right? So maybe that's kind of the tilt you can go with if you're Jeff and you're like, Hey man, we've, we've, we're doing this. Here are the numbers from last year and here's what we're doing this year. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's so hard. Um, gosh, I don't know. I want I want E3 to be good and big. <laughs> That's what I want. I want it to be a juicy couple of days where it's just like, oh, my gosh, uh, and a big deal. And I get that this year specifically because of the pandemic would limit that um, the size and scope, right? It's not going to be you know hundreds of thousands of people, or I should say thousands of people, hundreds of people uh, who are hanging out in these halls just screaming and going, woo all the time. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Summer Games Fest, I remember last year kind of having like some interesting things here and there, but it was so long. And I don't know if that's shifting this year too, but it was like 90 days and there was like all these kind of little announcements here and there. But I think personally for me, what I enjoy most is to have all those big announcements in a couple of days and then you can kind of parse through them versus being like little drip fed announcements every day. That's just for me because I'm not the type of guy who's kind of you know, refreshing these, these websites and things. Uh, you know, like I said, we're not, we're not timely reviews, <laughs> but yes, I would like E3 to be big. I don't, I, again, I hope I answered your question here. Um, I think so. Yeah. Cause I know what you mean. One could be doomed to be lackluster. Maybe they'll both be great. Or maybe we'll do a thing where it's kind of like, um, 
where we've seen press conferences in the past where they're like, if you want to know more about this game from EA, you're going to have to check out the Microsoft press conference or vice versa. You know, and they'll be like, if you want to see more, then check out Summer Games Fest. I, I don't know if they would allow that <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm E3 or vice versa, but uh, that would be pretty dang funny. So, yeah, here's hoping for some cool announcements because I don't know about you guys, but like a lot of the big things for me kind of already came out this year. So it was mostly new Pokemon Snap. I'm a strange guy. Anyway, next question comes in from Mecca Macareka, thank you so much. He says, acquisitions seem to be a pretty big deal this year, what with Microsoft purchasing Bethesda and making big news. So if you had the power to decide which studio or developer was acquired next by each of the big three, which would you choose for each? All right, so this is a question that demands thought. And I'll probably say one that has already been bought up by another. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um There has been the rumor and I think it would just be like I shouldn't smile about it cuz like I I want I want everybody to be able to play every game, but exclusivity helps drive competition between the consoles and that's good for us as the consumers, right? I think it would be bonkers, bonkers, bonkers if Microsoft did pick up purchase Square Enix, uh, Enix, whatever you want to call it. That would be insanity. A, a JRPG studio that has been synonymous um, with, you know, PlayStation and Nintendo over the years, but like something like that would be bonker, bonker, bonkers, bonkers. Oh my gosh, that would be nuts. Uh, and then there's groups like Capcom who I just want them to kind of remain in play for everybody. <laughs> Because I'm just like, because I have such a love for Monster Hunter now. I'm just like, I just think everybody should be able to play Monster Hunter. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other developers. Um, like, I don't think Platinum Games has been acquired by anybody. It would be curious. I would be curious to see if Platinum were picked up by, um, you know, by Nintendo or by Sony. Like, what specific stuff we would get from them. It'd be really, it'd be really interesting, right? You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people love Nier. I'm not one of them. Uh, but there's some games that they've made where I'm like, okay, yeah, we got something here. Like, I beat Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, my favorite Metal Gear, um, recently. And I was like, this is a cool game. But uh, so, a killer soundtrack, by the way. Go check out the soundtrack. It's freaking banger, baby. Um, well, I'm hitting stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of who Nintendo could pick up. The thing with Nintendo... I don't want them to pick up anybody else because, like, they've got such a... It seems like such a solid group of, like, kind of, like, things that they're working with right now. I don't know if they need anything to help them, right? <laughs> like, they, they they have Mario. They work very, so closely with the Pokemon stuff that it's basically... Like, they're part of that, you know, um, Zelda, uh, Metroid. Like, they just... Really, what they need to do is maybe pick up a group that is just going to make the next... like big game that is like a Zelda that isn't the mainline Zelda stuff and it isn't like a remake you know like an offshoot like something like that um, it's kind of like the Forza Horizon team working on Fable it'd just be cool to see you know some more offshoot stuff um, like you know uh, or like Guerrilla Games you know kind of going from Killzone to making Horizon Zero Dawn I would just like to see like Nintendo be like, all right, we have our main line. We got, you know, your Mario's, Mario Kart's, and your Zelda and stuff. But then like, well, I, I guess they have Hyrule Warriors and stuff, which is an offshoot. I just want to see, like, they have such strong intellectual properties that I think you could maybe do more with it. But again, I don't think Nintendo really needs the help. Nintendo's doing their own thing. And I'm not sure another developer, um, if they if they wanted to pick one up, um, who it would be and how it would bolster them. Do you know what I'm saying? I hope that makes sense. Um Again, I probably, I probably said something that um, cannot happen or will not happen or whatever else. But um, yes, I still think the biggest get though would just be, or just more JRPG stuff for um, Microsoft because they're just so, so kind of like they're still playing catch up with that whole like, oh, we're you know we've got Japanese stuff like look at all the Yakuza games are on Game Pass ah like <laughs> we love JRPGs. So I think if they were really if they really started to get kind of nuts with. Uh, acquiring Japanese studios that would be like I'd be like Sony game on baby um <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah anyway great great question I hope that answered it uh but I would love to hear yours as well uh, but I also think 
it is still good for a lot of these companies. Like if Nintendo bought Ubisoft, you know, like, I don't know if I'd like, if they, they pick them up. I don't know if I'd really want that. I like, I like groups like Ubisoft and, and Capcom to be kind of these like almost mercenaries or kind of working for everybody. And that I think is great because that uh, allows more people to play their games, which is cool, which is a cool thing. But uh, well, Nintendo and Ubisoft do get along pretty well. They there's that remember when they both had the Mario plus rabbits thing. Anywho, we're gonna move on to the next question here. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna take a Twitter question here. This is such a good one. This one comes in from at Missile Mage. He asks, with the release of Hood Outlaws and Legends. Looks like an interesting game. A very important question came to mind. If there was a Shrek multiplayer game released, who would be your main? By the way, that whole part where I said uh, it would—it looks very interesting. That was me, Jimmy, saying that, not Missile Mage. If Shrek multiplayer um, game was released, you know it's funny, um, Missile, that you bring that up because I used to play—I don't know if it was Shrek the Third or Shrek the Second. There's there a video game uh, back on GameCube I played with my sister, and I am not a cat person, not at all. But I really like playing as Puss in Boots. I think Puss in Boots would be super fun to play as in a game like Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. Because you'd be like this cute little cat and the guards would come up to you. And then you just like pull out your rapier and just cut them up. You know? <laughs> just rip them apart. Jinji uh, could be fun. Um, Pinocchio. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of shenanigans you could get into. But I'm still thinking Puss in Boots. Solid question. Made me laugh out loud when I looked. I was like, <laughs> very good. Great question, Miss. Thank you. Uh, Mecca submits one by Jonah Gomez. Jonah, how you doing, buddy? Uh, <laughs> this comes in the Discord. What anime are your go-to favorites? Do you have anything good that you're watching now? What would you generally recommend to anybody looking for a good show to watch? And most importantly, who is your favorite waifu? Oh, so many questions. I freaking love it. Okay, what anime are your go-to favorites? My favorite anime of all time, short form, Code Geass, Lelouch of the Rebellion. Oh my gosh, what a banger of a show. I actually have an anime attack that is like ready to go, more or less. I just have to put a few things together and I'll put it out there for people. If people don't know, uh, Joan, I don't know if you're listening to this, I have a very, <laughs> it's only a few episodes, a few episodes show called Anime Attack here on the channel that, uh, man, I it just once in a while I just go off and talk about anime. If people want more of that show, let me know. Um, I'm just, I kind of put all these like shows out there to see kind of what generates interest and what people want more of. And if that's, if I'm doing that, then I probably need to make more Lord of the Rings videos. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that one, uh, I think my favorite long form one still is probably Naruto. I know that's not really like a cool, cool answer or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's something about it that I just kind of grew up with Naruto. Uh, and it's one of the first anime that I saw that I was like, whoa. Like in high school, I was like, what is this? The Bridge Builder. Anyway, uh, also Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Killer, 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 killer show. Um, I've been thinking about going back to watch the original kind of anime that isn't Brotherhood, but I haven't gone back yet. But yeah, so, but Code Geass, tippity top. Uh, do you have anything good that you're watching now? Or what would you generally recommend to anybody looking for a good show to watch? I would say uh, this one is, I think this one could overtake Naruto in my heart because this show has made me weep with like kind of a, like sorrow, but also mostly inspiration. Uh, but that's My Hero Academia. And I know I'm talking about kind of these big ones right now, um, but My Hero is just so, so gosh darn good. Uh, <laughs> it is so good, so good. Uh, and it's so crazy that like, we have that and One Punch Man now, which the first season, One Punch, uh, One Punch Man, really enjoyed. The second season, not so much. But, the, like, finally superheroes are really taking off more so in the anime world. I never kind of put those two together. I'm like, oh, what a cool mixture. But, man, it's so good. And I would highly recommend checking out the English dub for My Hero Academia. If you haven't already, some really fantastic performances. Like, I I could watch these um, sub episodes, but these um, but these performances are so good that I wait for the English ones, quite frankly. And it's hard because I just want to watch more of it. But I love that show. I love it so, so, so much. Uh, but I would say that's a pretty easy one to get into if you're just like, if someone is trying to get into anime, um, that might not be too bad. Um, if you're looking for more of a jokey one, um, Oran High School Host Club, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Very funny one, not super long, not about fighting. Pretty good show. 
looking for a good show to watch. Oh, also Demon Slayer. Man, the first like episode of Demon Slayer, I was like, eh. And then I like came back to it and Demon Slayer, so good. I kind of want to do an anime attack on it. If you guys are listening to this, like I said before, if you want if you want that or an Outriders review, um, please let me know. But uh, yeah, Demon Slayer on Netflix, super good. And it's also on, it's on a bunch of different things actually. I don't think it's Netflix exclusive or original, but really dang good oh and last um but not least and i think studio bones is the are the people who did um, my hero but please check out soul eater soul eater so good yeah it's like a halloween anime almost but it is freaking if you can watch soul eater on a spooky night you're like ugh, soul eater so good it's so freaking good oh my gosh i love it i want my soul to be i want let's go soul resonance you know like i want to <laughs> I want to have a huge soul. If you watch the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. Soul Eater is great. Um, yeah, super dang good. Who is my favorite waifu? Okay, so for a while, uh, I know that, um, you know, Valkyria Chronicles isn't an anime, but I would say Kai, she's a sniper in Valkyria Chronicles 4. Uh, Kaifu, if you will. But if we're sticking to anime, ooh, that's a good question. Waifu, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> who am I putty in the hands of? Um, <laughs> um, man, you know, I I do, um, I do really, I, oh, I don't know if she's a waifu. Um, Olivia Armstrong from um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I respect her. I don't know if she's a waifu, though. She's going to, she'll she'll just beat the snot out of me um (laughs) throw me through a wall oh my gosh um winry winry is great thinking about full metal i gotta stop that um man that's a good question i'm trying to think of like in anime who's gonna who's gonna jump to that top spot oh erza scarlet from um fairy tale yeah (laughs) she's pretty good um there's Mikasa from Attack on Titan. Oh my gosh. Just just like Death Incarnate. Uh <laughs> I love her. Um uh, and she's 19, so it's um yeah. Uh is I don't know how old Winry is. That's a good question. I don't know. Um yeah. I think those are the ones for now. Yeah for now watch it'll come to me later on and i'll be like i should have said that one um <laughs> i feel like i'm kicking myself for it like come on man um uh, yeah naruto is not replete with a bunch of like waifus that i'm personally interested in so that's all that really matters um bleach has got some crazy ones um yeah there's the one that turns into a cat though um no <laughs> no 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 um yeah I think that's, I think that'll do it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I say that now and later on I'll be like, why didn't you think of this? Anyway, um, but yeah, I hope that answers your questions. Super great questions. Thank you guys so much for writing in. I really do appreciate it. Like I said, this is a solo show this week. Might be doing more of these in the future. I have no idea. You know, times are crazy and I just want to keep doing this show. And I, you know, besides, you know, you commenting on that stuff, um, you know, or the things I was talking about before, let me know if you like the show. Do you like the show? Do you want more of the show? Do you want the show to continue on a weekly basis? I really would love to know. I know we have a few people listening uh, via Spotify and other places. If you're just doing like an audio version, let me know. Let me know if the uh, the sound quality is good. Uh, <laughs> or if you guys are just like, yeah, you know, you don't need to do the video. You can just go back to audio. I just want to know. Uh, I've been doing this show for 269 weeks in a row. Hmm? Uh <laughs> And I hope people like it. I know everybody's got a podcast and everybody plugs it. Uh, but instead of doing that this week, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. There's going to be things popping up on the screen here. Um, and also a huge thanks to our patrons. Uh, you guys don't have to do that, but I appreciate that anybody donates any dollar amount. Every Any amount of money helps. Even if it's just $1 coming in a month, that's $1 we didn't have. So... Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, and I hope you like the show. And please, 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 I, I always ask for feedback and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, just tell me what you like about the show, what you don't like, like all that stuff. That helps so much. Like, you know, just tell me what you want to see. If there are certain guests, if there are certain topics or just whatever else, if you're like, you only need to do this show once a month, buddy. Um, I don't know why you talk like that, but it's fine. It's fine. You talk however you want. But 
I just appreciate you guys listening to me. Uh, I know the audience is small, <laughs> but I just appreciate it. Thank you so much. And like I said, if there's ways you want me to improve the show, please let me know what they are. Next week, uh, I'm going to be kind of doing a show. I'm going to shoot it before I leave, but I will be leaving. I'll be out of town. Uh, I have some some business to take care of, and uh, I will be kind of flying all over the United States, which is kind of nuts, but I will be doing a pre-Walt Disney World trip report. That's not the business, but that's at the end of the trip, um, which I'm looking forward to. So if you like Walt Disney World stuff, send me your questions, thoughts, and feelings. I'll kind of go through uh, the itinerary that I have on the list. Maybe even get Katie on the show. Who knows? It might just be me again, which is totally fine. And then I'll do an after-trip report when I return. So thank you guys so dang much for listening. I appreciate it. Somehow still filled almost an hour of just me going on and on and on. (laughs) But I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Oh, by the way, if you're watching, I've got this warning Darth Vader shirt that says warning choking hazard. You get it? Because he likes to choke people. Just so you're, if you're not like, you're like, what? what is that warning shirt about? That's what the shirt is. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys mean a lot to me. And shout outs. We're doing some shout outs here at the end of the show. Ryan, I know you're listening, buddy. Thank you so much. Jalen might be too. If any of the people who wrote in, um, you know, Missile Mage, Jonah, Mecca Zora Caviar, if any of you or listening this late, or anybody who is, let me know. Say it down in the comments. I'll give you a shout-out next time, all right? And seriously, I will do an entire show dedicated to a topic of your choice as long as it fits within the confines of the media we're covering. Oh, my gosh. I just made all that up in one on one go, one breath. Okay, anyway, I digress. Thank you guys so much um, for, for listening in for the 300th time. And until next time, just remember to adapt and overcome. Bye-bye. Charmeleon, Wartortle, Mewtwo, Tentacruel, Aerodactyl, Armanite, Slowpoke, Pigeon, Armite. That's all, folks!